good evening, church. I am Ruth Hendo. I am from Edgefoss. I'm a student there. I'm going to be today's Bible reader. Um, our Bible reading is coming from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 1 to 9. Um, I shall read. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as an, a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. May the Lord bless his word. Thank you, Ru, for that Bible reading. Good evening once again, church. Um, it is December, so uh, please sound more excited than, uh, than that. Good evening, church. Good evening. There we go. Um, tonight we are starting a brand new series. That's more like it. Uh, we're starting a brand new series, uh, which is our Advent series. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. It is December, um, December, as they say where I come from. Uh, if, you, if you grew up in the northern suburbs, they would say it is the season to uh, rejoice. Um, <laughs> so because it's the season to be uh, joyful, um, we're also are starting a joyful series, which is our Advent series. Now let me just explain what Advent means. Uh, Advent is a simple uh, English word that means the ar arrival of a notable person or a notable thing. Uh, so as you can guess, uh, we are commemorating the arrival of Jesus himself. And for the past 1,600 years, Christians have been dedicating this December period um, to remembering, commemorating uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he uh, has done to the extent of fasting. So many of them fasted uh, during this period who wants to fast when you can have all the prime meat? Um, but nonetheless, I think it was such an, a, a, an honorable thing to do uh, because it means that because of who Jesus is, what he has done, you take time in your life and you pause uh, to make him the center of it all. And that's what we want to do uh, this evening and for the next three weeks as we look at the topic, the difference that Jesus makes. Um, in other words... 
um, as we experience this season, is it one of those seasons where you open this box? How many of you grew up in a household where you had this? Raise your hands. Uh, For Christmas, this was your tradition. Um, So many of us uh, grew up with choice assorted biscuits. Some of you were fancy, uh, like my wife. You expected gifts uh, on Christmas. So you had your Christmas tree and you decorated your house uh, and it was such a joyful uh, time for, for you. Uh, perhaps depending on the financial situation back at home, if you stayed in Joburg, this would be time to go down to Devon and just flood the North Beach uh, with uh, your Joburg awesome presence, isn't it? Just to once go off and wash away your sins uh, at the ocean, uh, and then you put them in the bottle again, bottle them, you bring them back to Joburg uh, with you. Uh, so perhaps that's what Christmas was um, uh, about uh, for you. But we just want to ask ourselves the question, what does Christmas boil down to? And if you were with us also uh, two weeks last week, uh, we looked at that in the morning service uh, as we looked at uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. What difference does Christmas mean for you? Or what difference uh, does Jesus make in your life? And so I want you to help me as we ask ourselves this question, does Jesus make a difference to my life? Does Jesus make a difference to my life? Let's say it together with an unsure tone. Does Jesus make a difference to my life? Like, does he? Um, just think about your life for a minute. If you asking that question, does Jesus make a difference to my life? Just take a minute and think about your life at this uh, particular moment. Think just uh, regarding the past year uh, and some of the things that you have been through. We've been through a lot, isn't it? Uh, On a national level, uh, not only are we experiencing uh, the coronavirus, not only are we experiencing lockdowns, but we also experienced uh, just a lot of unstable um, uh, economy. Not only that, looting. uh, How many of us remember that protest? Uh, We thought, I thought, uh, I'm pessimist, so I'm just like, this thing is going down. Uh, It's going down, and there's nothing we can do uh, about it. So if we were to look at our lives, we are very anxious, aren't we? Uh, not only are we anxious, but there's been so many relational difficulties. Uh, some of us have experienced heartbreaks. Um, some of us have experienced depression. Uh, perhaps that's where you are. Some of us here this evening don't even know if we'll have a job next year. That's just the reality. So if you're thinking Does Jesus make a difference to my life? That's the kind of life we lead um, at this uh, current moment. If I were to summarize it in just one word, it will be pressure. As we say it in Rustenbeck, pressure. (laughs) Pressure, pressure, pressure. And here's the thing about pressure. Uh, When you pressurize something, whatever is inside comes out. Uh, And some of the ugliest things come out during our pressured moment. Our moments of pressure expose some of our weakest um, and ugliest uh, things. Uh, Very often what becomes our normal way of living under pressure is contrary to what Jesus calls us to um, as a disciple and follower of Jesus. Um, So you might remember as a nation, (laughs) I don't know if you remember, 2020, last year, March the 20th, Tell me why I was shopping on March before a lockdown. 
well, because I'm a last-minute guy. Go down to Centurion, bought a couple of building uh, stuff to fix up uh, the apartment, and I was like, hey, let, let me just get some more groceries. Guess what? Nothing. The shelves were empty, because when you apply pressure to people, what do they do? Some of their ugliest things come out. They hoard. They go and take stuff for themselves. Uh, same thing happened this year uh, when uh, we experienced a lot of uh, instabilities. Went to Crothorn Spa. Crothorn is the rich place that I never go to. <laughs> I didn't go there because I had money, but because the pick and pay here didn't have anything. So I went down there. Woolies didn't have anything. Spa didn't have anything. Guess what? People knew that there was danger and pressure coming. And what did they do? They collected more than they actually needed. There wasn't a shortage of food as such, uh, but in times and moments where we are under pressure, uh, in times and moments where your provision is threatened, in times and moments where um, anything of yours is uh, threatened to be taken away, guess what happens? Our natural inclination comes up. Greed comes up uh, in times of lack. Uh, greed comes out in times where we think, shucks, we might not have more. And so one of the things we're going to see in this, uh, as we look at the difference that Jesus makes, is that the kind of Jesus that we read about in Scripture changes how you and I think uh, about who we are. Uh, so who Jesus is um, and what Jesus has done changes who we are as Christians, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, and what we do as Christians. Who God is and what God has done changes who we are and what we do in this world. And as we think about this Christmas period in our lives that are filled with pressure, God is calling us to something else, an alternative way of living. And this thing that we see, this uh, charge that God gives us is based on who Jesus is, is based on this fancy word called incarnation. Uh, incarnation simply means that God took on human flesh. Uh, as one poet puts it, uh, he took on human skin to come and deal with human sin. Uh, so that is who God is, and that is who the God we experience in the Lord Jesus. And for the next three weeks, if you missed last week's sermon at the morning service, uh, we saw that God, in Philippians chapter 2, the coming of the Lord Jesus changes our posture. Uh, it changes our posture in life. Uh, we become people of humility because in Jesus, uh, we see great humility. A God who is up there, who comes down here to die a death, not just any ordinary death, a death on a cross, but God exalted him. A life of humility, the life of discipleship. You and I ought to be people of um, humility. But what we're going to see tonight uh, is that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ changes our pockets. Uh, so last week, it changed our posture towards life. This week, it changes our pockets. Next week, it changes our pursuits. And the following week, the 19th, which is our big Christmas music, uh, we're going to see that it changes our perceptions of ourselves. Uh, so the coming of the Lord Jesus changes our posture in life. It changes our pockets. This evening, we're going to see it changes our pursuits and the perspectives that we have um, concerning our lives. Are you still with me? Shout amen. amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 is our key 
verse this evening. If you are sleeping, uh, if you miss out anything, listen to how the Lord Jesus coming to our world changes us. Have a look at it. Um, one, 2 Corinthians, rather, uh, chapter 8, verses 9. Uh, in this section, Paul is mentioning, if you were paying careful attention, this word grace comes quite, uh, 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 quite often in this section. But listen to what he says concerning the Lord Jesus in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might be made rich. <laughs> Let me admit, I, I, I used to love this verse. This used to be my go-to verse. And for all the wrong reasons, um, I was a 16-year-old Christian, and I don't know about the church that you went to, but the church I went to, uh, we had this time called Prosperity Time. Um, prosperity time, the guy on the drums will be playing, uh, will be going crazy. Uh, and this was the time in the, in the service where uh, a staff member would come up uh, to encourage us to give. Uh, this was back in the township called Tlabani in the northwest, uh, in the church uh, where my Christian life was formed. But, uh, prosperity time was a time that they would read from the scriptures and encourage us. Uh, that God is with us, that if we are to sow our seed, God will do amazing things in our lives. Uh, and this verse, have a look at this verse once again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Jesus was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might be made rich. Amen. Who doesn't want to hear that? Um, and as a 16-year-old, man, we were going through pressure. Uh, we were going through so much pressure. I often look back at the time and I'm like, how did we make it through that? Uh, just a bit about my context. My mom um, had us, I think, had my older brother when she was, she was 17. Um, I think it was a metric year that she gave birth to my older brother. Uh, then when she was 20, she gave birth to me. Um, so she didn't have time to set up a career uh, and so we grew up with our great-grandmother. And it was a challenging time. And I still remember being a 16-year-old uh, in what is a better school <laughs> uh, in the township. So moved from a rural area to the township. Uh, we were struggling, man. School fees was a 1,000 rand um, a year. I pay monthly three times what I paid in my entire school year for my child. Thousand rand, and I remember come school um, time, come time to pay that school fees, it was just tough to even get that thousand rand. We had to ask our uncle to step in. One of the toughest moments was casual day. Okay, so as a as a kid, you you just come. It's um, we're all wearing uniform, right? Uh, casual day, it's that day where everyone shows. Uh, and Rusty people love their cavellas. Cavella is this Italian shoe that was very expensive. Uh, and so there would be kids who are buying cavellas, uh, wearing uh, expensive clothes, and this was a time for them to show up. Now, here's the thing. It came every Friday. So after one or two Fridays, you just run out of clothes. And what do you do? Because you want to hold on to your pride, you say, ah, I'm a rebel. I'll just wear my uniform. Meanwhile, you know 
that you don't have clothes to shine. I didn't go to my metric dance because I just couldn't put the pressure on my mom to buy clothes. So this, it's rough. Break time comes, you're thinking you have five rand, right, to come to, to school. It's 250 for local transport. So you can either spend that 250 buying food and hike home, which is not guaranteed, or just walk 10 kilometers back home. So that was the toss-up as a young kid. So it was, we were poor, right? <laughs> Yet there were people who were more poor than us. I didn't think at that stage I was poor. So hearing these words, that the Lord Jesus Christ came, he was rich, he came here so that I can be, I can, he became poor so that I can be rich. Man, that, that is news I held on to. Uh, but uh, let me ask you a question. Is it, the, is it what this verse means? Is it what I came to understand it to mean? What does it mean that Jesus was rich? What does it mean that he became poor? What does it mean that he became poor so that in his poverty we might become rich? Well, as poor as I was, I think I was wrong. Uh, It wasn't that he came to make me rich or be financially wealthy. Uh, The poverty that Paul speaks about here uh, is the reason why Jesus came uh, into our world. Here's somebody, as Philippians 2, if you missed that sermon again, uh, go to find it on our website. Philippians 2 describes a Jesus who is in glory uh, with the Father eternally. He did not need to create us, right? But he lavished his love upon us. God lavished his love by creating us. And as he created us, we chose to rebel against him. What does Jesus do? What does God do in the person of Jesus? He leaves his glory uh, to come here. He becomes poor. He becomes, he takes on a nature of a servant. He comes to open up everything for the sake of you and me. He comes to die a death on the cross. Why does he do that? So that you and I can share in the same position of glory. So that you and I can know what it is to have a relationship with God. That is what it means to be rich, um, to have a relationship with God. And here's a man in Jesus, we remember during Christmas, that he left his glory to come to our world. He left his glory to come and rescue sinners like you and me. Why did he do that? So that we can know what it looks like to have a relationship with God. So that we can taste the glory that he shared with the Father. That is what it means. And Paul uses this incarnation, this God taking human flesh, as a motivation for these Christians in Corinthians to live lives of generosity. He reminds them that their king, if they claim that Jesus was king, their king took on a form of humility, a poverty, so that they could be rich so that they can have a relationship uh, with him. And because of that, Paul uses that to encourage them to live lives of generosity. Have a look at chapters 8, verses 1 to 9. Paul uses the Macedonian church, uh, this church that called Jesus king, as an example of what it means to live this life of generosity. Here's a group of people who had nothing, yet gave everything because they understood who their king was. Listen to this. 
We want you to, to know, brothers, about the grace of God. Notice that the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. These guys gave from nothing. These guys had nothing, yet they gave everything. In their extreme poverty, they overflowed. They had nothing. Notice the language there, the picture there. You have an empty cup, or maybe not an empty cup, but a quarter full cup. But your cup is overflowing to other people. Your cup is overflowing. This is the Corinthians, wealthy people, rich church, gifted in every way. Macedonians have nothing, yet in their uh, um, abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, they have overflowed in the wealth of generosity. For they gave according to their means, as I testify, and beyond their means. They gave more than they could give um, of their own accord. So nobody asked them to give. Nobody urged them with a prosperity message to give. Begging us earnestly for the, for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Um, they were sending money to churches in Jerusalem, to Christians in Jerusalem, to help them. These guys had nothing. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Remember what Mbali said about your service? It is first to the Lord and then, um, and then to the will and by the will of God to us. And so these guys were transformed. They lived their lives first to the Lord, and because of that, they gave themselves to others. Verse 6, Accordingly, we urged Titus that he, as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, this is now to the Corinthian church, they excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love for all, See that you also excel in this grace, in this act of grace also. Uh, so Paul is encouraging these rich Christians. Um, he's encouraging them with an example of a poor church to say, look at how those guys understood who their Lord is. They gave from nothing. Their Lord was, had everything, gave everything towards them. Uh, and because of that, they were encouraged with nobody forcing them to give from nothing. These are people who had pressure, who had a pressured situation, but they chose um, to give. Now, here's the thing. There's we, as we work here at, at church, we work with many different people from all walks of life. Um, I'm going to mention a story of somebody who gave, and I think, I don't know their salary, but I can imagine it wasn't for much. A um, friend of us was getting married um, about two years ago, and then he, he still, like, he needed shoes uh, for his, his wedding. And then a couple of months later, he tells me uh, who bought the shoes. I'm not going to mention him by name, but it's the guy who, who works here. And I don't think, I don't think he makes much, but those shoes cost about a quarter, maybe, of his salary. It was a thousand rand shoes. I'm sure to many of us, maybe a thousand rand is something we blow at um, a night out. Go to a restaurant, 
two, four meals, two drinks. It should be around that, isn't it? Um, but for some people, a thousand rand is a lot of money. For some people, it's quite a chunk of uh, the fraction of their salary. Yet this man gave out of his leg, and he overflowed in generosity. And I was like, what? That's what it means to be a Christian. Some of us went to Bible college. Some of us, you know I can read Greek and Hebrew. And I'm like, geez, in my Greek and Hebrew knowledge, I've never been as generous as this man. I've never followed the Lord Jesus as this man has. In overflowing out of a place of poverty, um, to overflow in generosity. I was encouraged. And his situation, his act of grace reminds us of what these guys were doing. They came to understand what it means for their Lord to come into our world. They came to understand that our God is a God who empties his pocket for the sake of others. And because he does that, if we call ourselves Christians, it is simple. You don't need to study hectic theology, to simply believe that. God gave, emptied his pocket for you. Therefore, you ought to empty your pocket for others. Now, this sounds like I'm making you uh, empty your pockets for some building project we're doing as a church. (laughs) But I'm not. Um, I'm not. In fact, um, just as we think about how to live that out, I want to give you challenges that are outside the church, right? So it has nothing to do with your giving here. Just think about that. Think about who Jesus is, giving up everything, emptying his pockets for you, and seek the life of generosity, of opening up your pocket for the sake of others. Now, this current situation that we find ourselves in, what makes sense in our time is to hoard everything, right? But Paul reminds us that it's blessed to give than to receive. A Facebook post the other day said, what has poverty taught you? What are some of the bad habits that poverty or lacking has taught you? As I look at my life, growing up poor, one of the bad things I learned is to hoard, hoard stuff. I know that I've gained weight during the pandemic. (laughs) But uh, I have a couple of T-shirts. I think one day I'm going to need them, so I'm just going to leave them there. Right? They get washed. I normally use the stack on top. I never use those ones, but maybe someday I'll need them. And so they're piling up there. Maybe there are motivation that I'll lose weight <laughs> one day. I'm not, by the way. Um, maybe I'll lose my belly, but uh, I don't like that guy. Uh, he was too skinny. Um, but I hoard stuff, okay? You go to a shop, you're not planning to spend money, you're just there buying a few things, right? And then you see a special, especially food lovers. Uh, that place is a trap. I love it so much. Um, five types of vegetables for 150 rand. Not a lot, eh? And then some five combination of fruit for just 100 bucks. On and on the specials go. And experience teaches me that those things are going to rot because I don't need that much. I don't need seven kgs of potatoes. They're going to rot. They're just going to go. It's guaranteed. But maybe this time it will be different. I hoard and I go out of our way, my way, um, to, 
to buy stuff. Because what poverty has taught me is that, man, there, will, there might come a time where I lack and I don't want to be found wanting. I want to be prepared. So what do I do? Take all the stuff for myself. I'm not open-handed. Yeah? When we live that kind of way, we live as people who don't open our hands to, to people, isn't it? Because, man, like this is, I need to save this thousand rand. Yeah, that person needs it, but I'm saving for that rainy day. I'm saving for that rainy day. Now, here's the thing with challenge with uh, generosity is that it's a lifestyle and you just never know when you have it right. But that doesn't mean we can't start somewhere. And so here's the challenge for us this, um, this, um, this December. Three things um, as we think about how to be generous, how to live out the generosity of God in our own lives. Uh, as I said, I'm not trying to get into your pockets um, to, to enrich myself or anything like that. So the challenge is thinking about other people. So three things. One is share your feast with somebody. Many of us here, maybe some of us are struggling financially, but many of us will afford to have a bride this week, this December period. Why don't you think about sharing your bride with somebody else? Why don't you think about opening up your pocket to rejoice with others as you remember the joy of December? So, share your bride with somebody. Buy an extra packet of vols or whatever it is. Normally we give, here's the people who live with us who might never invite us to Bryce, is our security guards. Uh, you probably live in a gated community or you live uh, in a complex where there's security. What do we normally do? We normally give those guys our leftovers. Can I encourage you this year to see those people and plan a meal for them that you're going to give them? I thought of you and I want you to share in the same joy that I share in. Here's a plate for you. Not one that's your leftover. So share your meal with somebody. Share your feast with somebody. Give your best tip is my second challenge to you. Some of us will have opportunities to go to restaurants. Um, how much is <laughs> an average drink costs about 35 rand? Normally we have four or five of those. If you just killed two of those drinks, now, let me, hear me. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a restaurant. It is fantastic. Um, maybe you're doing well in this pandemic. Maybe you're selling masks and your business is doing well. Praise God for that, right? And God wants you to eat that steak, right? He wants you to have sushi, even though I think it's overpriced. But it's nice, right? It's nice to enjoy the goodness of God. And he's given us ability to make money, but he's blessed us not so that we can hoard or just enjoy ourselves, but he's blessed us and given us the privilege to share our blessings with others. So why don't you consider, because normally you spend money and you're like shocked at the bill, and then you begrudgingly give the 10%. Why don't you think about tipping an extra? Just cut off one or two items off of your menu, maybe a drink or a dessert, so that you can give a hundred rand more to your waiter. Just to say, I see you. God loves you. God has lavished us so that we can lavish you 
with gifts. Amen. The last thing is to pay more. Maybe you are an employer. Maybe you employ somebody. Why are we laughing? There, there are employers. How many of us here have somebody cleaning their house for them? Okay. Yeah, there's a little group of us. How many of us are actually employers who employ people? Yeah. So in one way or another, maybe you don't employ somebody. Maybe this is an opportunity. If you got a bonus to go to one of those ladies who stand by the robots, I think they asked about 250 rand to come clean your house. I was encouraged by my wife the other day, paid a little extra to those ladies. So firstly, maybe think about employing them and then praying a little extra to them. If you're an employee and you got a bonus or your business is doing well, to just pay a little bit extra to those people, not because you have to, but because God has blessed you. And this God, if we claim to follow him, he doesn't just bless us for the sake of it. He blesses us so that we can in turn bless others. God emptied his pockets for you and for me. That's what we remember this Christmas, so that we can empty our pockets for the sake of others. He didn't do that because he, he should do it. He did it because he wanted to. If we are followers of him, let's go and do likewise. And if you're not a Christian this evening, and perhaps you're sitting on the fence, you have so many questions. Can I just ask you to put aside those questions and consider a society where people live like that? If we live to follow Jesus, how different would our country be? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your great grace, your charity, that while you were rich, and in glory, that in, in your poverty we might be made rich. And we are so grateful for that. I'm so grateful um, that we can call you Father, that we can be welcomed into your family. And tonight, even as we sang those songs, we are grateful that we can sing those songs with joy because we know we're forgiven, uh, because we know that you came uh, to deal with our sin and our mess, and we're ever grateful for that. And I pray, Father, that you, through your incarnation, you change our posture in life, that we would be people of humility, uh, that this December period we would move towards people in humility, that we would ask for forgiveness, uh, that we would surrender ourselves to people who we think, man, it's just we can't do it anymore. I pray that you'd give us the strength to just humble ourselves one more time, uh, to reach out to those people. Maybe a mother, maybe a, a spouse, maybe a friend who's hurt us. I pray that we, in humility, would move towards them in the same way that you move towards us. I pray, Father, that not only you, would you change our posture in life, but may you change also our pockets. I pray that, Lord, we would be people of generosity, that we would give out of nothing, not because we have to, but because we are people who rejoice in what you give to us. So this December, I pray that Jesus would make the difference to our lives, that in practical ways we would step out um, to change society wherever he's placed us 
that we would be people of generosity. And so we pray this in his name and for our good and for the good of society. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.